You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another summer off-season edition of the Talking About podcast. I am Sean Kennedy. Rejoining me on the pod is an old friend, Brian Toporic, but he's joining us for the first time as a new member of Liberty Ballers. He's already written a few pieces up on the site, so be sure to check those out. But Brian, thanks for joining the pod. Uh, welcome to Liberty Ballers, and how are you doing today? Thank you, Sean. Glad to, glad to be part of the team, and thank you for having me. I am doing really well. I am just glad the James Harden saga is finally over. Yeah, you can, you can finally put the spreadsheet numbers i'm sure you have open in a tab in bold and yeah you, you can final finalize those uh, i know that's probably been weighing on you so yeah i i too am glad we we knew the love fest was going on and yes. there was never really any doubt that james harden would be returning to the sixers i mean he joel Embiid, pj tucker seems like they're they're bouncing around various <laughs> locations across the east coast and uh they, they seem like a a, a great especially going back to Joel and Ben and thinking about like, Oh, those guys just never hung out, out, out together off the court. It, yeah. It's very refreshing and nice to see that these two seem to really get along and beads going to Harden's wine opening. <laughs> um, they're all, they're all working out together. They're, they're partying with Michael Rubin in the Hamptons. It's all, all good vibes. So yeah. no, no one really expected Harden not to return, but it's, it's nice to get the official word. So I wanted you to have you on this week because you're you're our new our new cap guy here at LB, <laughs> and we wanted to kind of break down the cap cap impl, impl, implications. Um, sorry, I'm stumbling on my words there. Of of Harden's signing and what he his his the breakdown of the deal was. So I'm just going to mention it real quick and then and then toss it over to you. But Harden is going to make 33 million for the upcoming 22-23 season and then he has a player option for 35.6 million for next year. So we can talk about the player option and what that might mean, but for right now, kind of break down again for everybody out there what Harden opted out at, what the pay cut was. He's making 33 million this year and and what that allowed the team to do this offseason. If yeah. you would. For sure. So he turned down 47.4 million. He's taking 33. So it is a $14.4 million pay cut. Uh, had he opted in, and you're right, I do have all of these numbers in a spreadsheet. I'm finally happy to like just have it settled because now we can look ahead to the future. But had he opted in, they would have been at 151.7 million uh, for 13 players going into free agency. So the apron which is the line that a team cannot cross at any point in a given league year if they use the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is $10.5 this year, 
the biannual exception, which is $4.1 million, or acquire a player and assign a trade. If they do any of those three things, you can't cross the apron. This year, it's like slightly less than 157 million, 156.983 is the exact number. So they would have had roughly like 5.3 million in breathing room under the apron had he opted in, which means no taxpayer mid-level exemption. So they would not have been able to get PJ Tucker at the numbers that they did. They would have instead had a $6.5 million taxpayer mid-level exemption. So if Tucker was amenable to taking less to come to Philly, then he could have, but Miami was reportedly offering him, you know, as much as they could with non-bird rights, which was about three years, 27 million. Uh, the taxpayer mid-level is like three years, 20.4. So he would have been taking less than he would have gotten in Miami plus this no state taxes in Miami or in Florida. So like if, if they didn't have the non-taxpayer mid-level, I don't think PJ Tucker is a sixer. Maybe they split that up and, you know, you could have signed Daniel House to part of the taxpayer mid-level instead of the biannual exception, which they also would not have had access to, um, and then use the leftover on someone else. But it, it Harden doing this made it possible for them to get both Tucker and House in. And, you know, for the, I know there's like this prevailing thought among some people that like Harden get, didn't give up all that much or, you know, he's going to make it up next year. Like we, we can evaluate that next year when we see what his next contract will look like, but he objectively gave up $14.4 million this year. He, yeah. He I, love, looked, I love the people out there just poo pooing that as if <laughs> right, it's right. no big deal. Right. Um, like <laughs> it, you know, Chris Paul did it with the Suns. He turned down a giant player option and then signed a multi-year deal. But other than that, like the, the last time I really remember someone doing this at such a notable number was the big three heat, which, you know, was like 10 some years ago. I guess like Kyrie and KD structured their deals with the Nets in a certain way where like some of it was incentive so they could squeeze in DeAndre Jordan, which is yeah. really hilarious in retrospect. Ultimate teammate, DeAndre Jordan. Just a, just <laughs> right. a good hang. <laughs> right, right. For $10 million a year. Uh, yeah. But I think the most important thing in terms of like what, you know, looking ahead now, Harden could have taken more and they would have been under the apron still. So 33 leaves them like a little bit more than $3 million in wiggle room under the apron. So he could have taken 36 and change and they still would have been under. But by taking 33, he's now giving them additional flexibility to make another move, whether it's a signing whether it's a trade in season, like now they have the wiggle room that they might need to further upgrade this roster between now and either the trade deadline or the end of the regular season. Right. So let we're going to talk about that in a moment and kind of moves they could still make. Um, but just to recap, it's Harden took just over $14 million less and basically it results in them getting PJ Tucker. They still could have gotten a house because they would have had the taxpayer mid-level. So the the Harden altruism or cynically agreeing to get fanatic stock from Michael Rubin, however, <laughs> right. however you want to frame it, it, right. it, it was the difference between getting PJ Tucker and getting an additional player aside house at around $2 million per year. Yeah. So it, in a, in a nutshell, that that's what this Harden pay cut allowed them to do. And I think uh, given the fact that Embiid was really pushing the team to 
quote to to get a player like Tucker, but he was, you know, he he wanted Tucker. They're hanging out, so I, I think this was a move that really facilitated a lot of the things the team wanted to do to this offseason. So, yeah, it's I mean, you can be cynical, but it, it's not easy to turn down fourteen million dollars. I don't, right. I, I I'll never have a chance in my lifetime to do that. I, <laughs> I imagine so. It's uh, it's quite the quite the move that has transpired and definitely will help the team roster construction and on-court product this year so um yeah but let's let you you started alluding to what trades they could still make so mm-hmm. one name that's been floating around is eric gordon it seems like that's completely off the table the danny green contract was really the only thing that could have facilitated that aside from a big Tobias harris trade but yeah. from everything that has been rumored reported they've asked around about tobias there's not a deal out there that will make them at least as good on the on the court this year. So they, they weren't just going to salary dump Tobias because they're, they're pushing for a title this year and he's still a really good player. So yes. they, they're not just going to do trade away some picks for someone to take on Tobias just so they can sign or trade for Eric Gordon. That, that wouldn't make sense. They would be a worse off team and be down trade assets in the future and everything else. So Eric Gordon, as, as much as Keith, Keith Pompey would love to push it, I, I feel like that's <laughs> not going to happen. There are other moves they can make, though, for guys that aren't making quite as much this year as Gordon. One name you've been pushing a lot is uh, Patrick Beverly. Now that he's been traded already this offseason, he's going to be in what you'd think is a bit more of a rebuilding situation in Utah, especially if they they move on from Donovan Mitchell, as is being reportedly considered. So. How would a, a Beverly trade work? Uh, I know you've you've mapped it out and you, you talked about how they they left themselves a little bit of room under the apron with Harden taking 33 instead of 36. How, how does that all work? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not really super well anymore if they want a 15th man. Cause uh, you know, originally like the Shams report was he's taking a $15 million pay cut. And if it was lit, like, you know, 32.4, they would have had just enough room to make it work and sign the 15th man. Now. I mean, the framework has to be, Korkmaz and Thibault are going out because they combined to make about 9.4 million. Like that is the starting point from any trade moving forward, unless you're going to, you know, include Melton or Tucker, or as you mentioned, Tobias, um, Cork and Thibault are their next highest paid players. So those are going to be the salary matching chips. And then Thibault, um, in theory will also be like a valuable potential, you know, young guy that, when you're left on his deal, going to be a restricted free agent. But if the shot doesn't come around, he's probably not going to be a super expensive restricted free agent. So I could see a team wanting to take a gamble on him. Um, to get up to Beverly, which is $13 million, you'd have to include one other salary. So it could be literally anyone else on the team. Um, I figured it would be Shake Milton would be like the ideal guy to include because he's heading into the last year of his deal. Uh, he's still young enough that, you know, if Utah, as you mentioned, is in like full rebuilding mode, maybe they just try him out and see if they see what they have in him. And if they want to re-sign him next year, they would acquire his bird rights so they could go way over the cap to re-sign him if they wanted. You could also include Jaden Springer. I don't know how much trade value he has, like a late first round pick going into his second year, still super young. Um, and I don't know from the Sixers perspective, if like, Thibault and Springer is too much to give up for Pat Bev, who's only on one year left. But either way now, there's still 
just over the apron if they do that move and sign someone to a minimum deal for the 15th roster spot. So one potential workaround could be, uh, you know, do a three for one trade, go into camp with 14 players, and then you've got your two two way guys as well. And then the veteran minimum starts to prorate as the season goes on. So once it prorated down to whatever it needed to be for them to squeeze it in under the apron, they could then sign their 15th man. Um, otherwise, I think you're probably looking at guys in like the eight to $12 million range are the more realistic uh, way, things you could fit into the cap now. And then also uh, either sign someone else or then you're solving your problem. Cause right now they have 16 guys under contract. So they got to wave someone or get rid of someone in some capacity between now and the start of the regular season as well. So uh, Jason Timperley has been floating names like Reggie Bullock, Alec Burks, uh, Jay Crowder. The, all those guys are a little bit less expensive. So you could just do a cork plus Thibault framework for I think any of them and that would work. So of those handful of targets you just mentioned, are there any where you think the situation would warrant a team wanting to to make a deal work? Or you, where do you think it's most realistic? Because, yeah, you mentioned Crowder, but, I mean, Phoenix is still going to be trying to put together a, a title team. Right. Um, so where do, where do you think is uh, somewhere where they would say, hey, we'll take your your handful of end-of-bench guys and maybe an early second or something and get get off this guy and they could, the Sixers would be able to plug him in the rotation. Is, is there anyone you think is most realistic? Yeah, I think Beverly for the reasons you brought up earlier and then Burks as well. I don't, I mean, Detroit might want some veterans in there just to like lead some of their young guys, but I can't imagine Burks is in their long-term plans anyway. So if they, it, I guess it depends on which teams believe in Thibel and are willing to take that gamble that his shot does come around or just willing to live with like, all right, he's going to wreak havoc during the regular season. And then, you know, we're probably not going to get a ton out of him in the playoffs, but like there is value in having 82 game guys, especially for a rebuilding team that isn't going to sniff the playoffs anytime soon. So I don't know if Detroit would say yes to court plus Thibel for Burks, but I also don't know that they would definitely say no. Yeah, I do recall when they made the trade there, there was like a connection between Burks and the coaching staff or something. And they, they did mm -hmm. like kind of talk him up as like, hey, we really would love to have him here, like as a mentor to these these young guards like Kate Cunningham and everything else. So, yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't hurt to ask, um, but I, I do recall that specifically regarding Burks. But yeah, there's there's going to be definitely guys like that out there. And maybe it doesn't happen at the beginning of the year. Maybe it happens mm -hmm. as teams get off to less than promising starts um, and you could look towards the trade deadline for those things to go down. But uh, yeah, you mentioned how the Sixers have 16 guys on the roster. Um, my anticipation, you know, barring a move like we've been discussing taking place is that it's going to be the 15 queen has the partial guarantee. And I feel like he's probably earned one of the two way spots more than Champagne. So mm -hmm. if I had to make a prediction right now, I would say that they release Champagne, give Queen the two-way contract, and then the other fifth, they would guarantee Isaiah Joe's deal and the 15 that are under contract right now, plus Queen is the 16th. He'd move to a two-way. I think that's what they roll into the season with. Um, would you agree with that? Do you anticipate anything different? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I mean, Joe is fully non-guaranteed until opening night. 
which is when that when they gave Queen the three hundred thousand guaranteed, that at least made me open my eyes a little bit. So like that's a lot of money if you don't think he's gonna make the roster at all, given the apron concerns. Now yeah. knowing that again, Harden like taking so much less than he could have, three hundred thousand isn't that big of a deal anymore. Like they're gonna have you know once they whittle down their roster if they don't make any trades and they just wave someone like they'll they'll be close to five million under the apron. So and that includes um that includes Queen's three hundred thousand dollar guarantee. So I you know I don't think that is the reason you have to keep him. Um I think it probably just comes down to training camp in the preseason and you know with one of Joe Queen Bassey's only like 74 or 75,000 guaranteed as well. But I think especially given that they don't have, you know, it's Reed, PJ Tucker and him, but like they don't have a Dwight Howard or an Andre Drummond or even a DeAndre Jordan anymore, like a veteran uh, backup center. I think positionally they, he, he should be pretty safe unless like he just looks like he completely forgot how to play basketball over the summer. Um, so I'm guessing it comes down to Joe and Queen for that final spot, but it would not surprise me if they wave Queen and then move him to two way, as you said. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, I agree with you regarding Bassey. They didn't sign free agent center mid thirties X player <laughs> right. this year. So uh, maybe maybe that was Daryl Morey saying, I, I've learned from. Moneyball, and I'm not making yes. the same the same mistake where I I have to have an argument with the manager every yeah. every <laughs> night about about playing this guy versus the young guys, and I'm just not going to give him the option. Right. So Jer- Jeremy Pena has been uh, yes. shipped out. <laughs> you have to go with Paul Reed. Um, so yeah, Reed and Bassey as the the primary backups seems to be how they're heading into next year. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I guess they could always just say Queen hasn't shown what we wanted and just release him and eat the 300k but it seems unlikely given they gave him the guarantee deal i would expect him at least to earn a two-way slot um mm-hmm. but uh, you know as as we discussed earlier trades could be happening they're they're definitely still communicating with other teams and trying to make something work so we'll see how that all shakes out and that could completely change the landscape of the the end of the roster slots and how that all works out so all right brian thanks for recapping that when we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to discuss the new stadium proposal that dropped thursday morning exciting stuff in the city of philadelphia so we'll be back to talk about that and here's a word from our sponsor Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. So, Brian, you were talking about this on Twitter, um, just in case anyone hasn't seen it. Thursday morning, it was announced that the Harris Blitzer combination is creating a new development company, 76 Dev Corp, that will be creating a stadium in the Fashion District area of Philadelphia. Um, Anticipated start date would be... uh, not start date for construction, but start date for when the team would be playing would be 2031, 2032. Um, obviously, the team is under lease with Comcast Spectacor to play in the Wells Fargo Center uh, up through 2031. Um, they they don't like being a, a renter. They, they would love to get all of the financial benefits that come with owning the building that their team is playing in. So they've been trying for a long time to get a stadium built. They, they tried to cross the river. They tried to uh, right on the river in, in Philadelphia, like a lot of stuff, but this seems like it's really going to happen. Um, so it's a $1.3 billion arena. Brian, you, you kind of broke down some of the major pros and uh, maybe a few of the cons on Twitter. What, what mm-hmm. were your main thoughts when you saw the, the, the building proposal? drop yeah. on Thursday. I mean, the first thing that grabbed my attention was fully privately financed. Um, you know, not asking the city or the state for any subsidies whatsoever is just a good look. Uh, and I think it's something that we should all be, be supportive of. And Francis Zomes on Twitter also made the good point of like, we skipped the step where, you know, the team is playing in an outdated arena and the owners threatened to move the team to another city. So like we didn't have Oh, are the Sixers going to move to Seattle or anything like that? We, we don't have to worry about that. They're staying in Philly. Um, I, you know, the, the guy who is heading the project is a local Philly guy as well. Um, it seems like a lot of the reaction early on has been mixed from what I can tell. Um, and I can understand it. You know, it's I think it's going to be more inconvenient for some people and less inconvenient for some people. It will be a couple of people from like South Jersey were replying to my stuff this morning. We're saying like, you know, it takes me 30 or 40 minutes to get it, get to the Wells Fargo now. And it's going to take me more than an hour to get to the downtown arena. And like, I, I hear that, you know, it, that sucks. I'm not, not going to argue otherwise. Some people are upset. You know, it doesn't seem like there's going to be a parking lot on the premises. So like we can't tailgate before games totally hear that as well. At the same time, it seems like they are really leaning into the public transit side of things. Um, I think they said it's going to be like nine times more accessible by a public transit than the Wells Fargo Center currently is. And then they are, it's, you know, they mentioned there are like 29 parking lots within a half a mile of the arena. I'm assuming they would have some sort of agreement with said parking lots on game nights or game days in particular, like we're going to have a flat rate of X. So it's not like, you know, one lot is charging $40 and the other is charging 20 or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll and, have, have like a VIP area for, for yeah. those kind of people that 
uh, can drive in and as you said it, it's a big push for public transit you got the the septa regional rail line that's right there the broad street lines not too far away the l's not too far away patco's right there two blocks away so a lot of a lot of different options for people um if you want to tailgate you can tailgate in the same parking lot and then just take the subway up if you want to yeah you could uh i mean obviously you could pre-aim at any number of bars that would be within a block or two of the, of the arena um so there would be options but yeah i definitely hear you that you can't please everyone there's not going to be any one proposal that satisfies everyone perfectly that's just not how the world works um <laughs> right <laughs> right but yeah um you, you hit on a lot of the main points it's fully privately funded i think they learned from when the the waterfront proposal came out uh mm. I forget exactly when that was. It was a year or two ago. And there's a lot of backlash about the the business credits and how they were trying to mask it as not being as not <laughs> coming from public money because there would be payback re- to the to the community re- via the business credits and all that. And everyone's like, oh, that's just funny math that doesn't really work out in the long run. Um, so mm-hmm. for it just it seems like they learned from that. And let's not have that argument. It's gonna be hundred percent fully privately funded from from the jump um so that's definitely good yeah it's it's interesting because it's it's cool when you go to other cities and you there's just arenas that are downtown and you can just walk in and you walk out and you're like oh i'm still in the city and i can just go across the street and grab a drink or go grab dinner uh i can have dinner before the game and just then head two blocks and 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 check out the game um like there's any number of other cities where this works. It's not, yeah, it's not a foreign concept. And the only, <laughs> right. the only reason in Philadelphia, it's such a big talking point is because for forever, they've had their arenas in, you know, out, out the outskirts of the city in just this desert of concrete and asphalt where <laughs> there's, they, they've started to build up a little bit. Like there's like a casino there. Now there's like a couple things there's a couple restaurants um, that are down in that area, but for, for a long time, it was just nothing. Like you had to drive Mm -hmm. in and you were just in the middle of nowhere, except for these huge arenas. And I think, I think it will be cool. I think it'll be a cool cultural experience for a lot of people that, you know, maybe never really go into the city and they will go to games now and maybe they'll be more inclined to like check some stuff out. Um, It's, you know, it's not, it's not the greatest area of the city, but hopefully this can be part of a revitalization effort that, you know, improves that corridor a little bit. I know they've been really trying over recent years to, to build up that, that section of market street and everything. So, mm-hmm. and this is still going to be uh, it's 10 years down the road. So maybe <laughs> right. if, if this, if this gets final approval and it, everyone knows it's a sure thing then I'm sure there's going to be a ton of businesses that try to get nearby and, you know, get in at the ground level of what's going to be a lot more foot traffic and a lot more business that's going to be running through that area. So I'm sure it'll be built up even more. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, yeah. I, well, sorry, I was just gonna, like, I, I have not lived in Philly proper for a, a minute now, but like I went to college uh, in DC and I lived there for a couple of years after. And so the wizards arena is right downtown, like a block off of, the Chinatown Metro stop. And there was a ton of bars and a ton of restaurants right there. And it's great. Like, you know, there is parking there in private lots if you need that. But for anyone living in the city, it is so much more convenient to just take the Metro downtown or like take an Uber or whatever. Uh, Like I I think this, 
could be a very positive development for a lot of people. Like the, as you said, you're not going to satisfy everyone, but I think they, the Sixers are betting that, you know, they are going to, it's going to be better for more people than, than it is going to be worse for, for however many people it's going to be worse for. Yeah. Net, net beneficial for, yes. for the community as a whole. Um, yeah. DC's like that. I mean, Boston, New York, uh, Detroit, the basketball arena, uh, it wasn't. I think the new one is. I haven't been there in years, but mm-hmm, I, I know the mm-hmm. Tigers, Tiger Stadium is right downtown. Like, there's a lot of different cities where this is the case, and it, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, so I, I would love for that to be the case in Philadelphia. I, I hope that it, it works out. Um, I, I couldn't like I've I've walked home from that, or I, I used to. I don't live in Philadelphia anymore, so I moved last year. But I used to just walk home from that section of the city every weekend I would go out and it was a mile and a half walk. I just walk home. Like I couldn't imagine going to a Sixers game like, Oh, I can walk home. How, how amazing would that be? Uh, and for everyone that I, I feel like there's just a car culture in America that doesn't exist in a lot of places. So maybe this will prod people to, for the first time in their life, take the regional rail, which yeah. is, yeah. is pretty pleasurable. Like I used to take the regional rail to work every day for two, three years I got a lot of reading done. There's a lot you can do on a train that you can't do when you're in a car. And I think people might come to discover like, Hey, this is actually pretty cool. I can just leave the game. I walk a block over, I get on the train. I take the 30 minute train ride and my, my car will be parked at the station and mm-hmm. it'll probably be an easier and less stressful experience than getting out and sitting on the highway and all that traffic. Uh, that that would have been the case and and probably not too sim- dissimilar in in terms of time and everything so right. yeah i hope i hope that you know uh spurs people on to to maybe give public transit a chance um i i feel like we definitely need to use more public transit options in in the united states um mm-hmm. so I, I hope that can be a part of that um yeah it's not great like i i feel bad for people that enjoy tailgating uh but sure. it's not like a super big thing for basketball games because right usually they're like seven o'clock games at, at night and people are usually getting off work or they had school that day or whatever um so it's it's not like an eagles game that's a one o'clock game on a sunday and people just yeah. got up at 8 a.m and they, they, they tailgated for four hours that's not as much the culture for basketball games so also like anyone <laughs> upset about it is not going to be tailgating in 10 years like there is a whole generation <laughs> that's of people. another yeah it's, that will be upset. But if you're in your mid twenties right now. I promise you, by the time you're in your mid thirties, you're not going to want to tailgate a seven PM game. Yeah, it's you don't drink for three hours straight when you're in your no thirties as much. <laughs> right, right, right. You do it. You do it one or two times a year, maybe, right. but for yeah, special you, occasions, you got to be more selective. Yeah, you're not doing it on a on a Thursday. I, I no, definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. It's the people that would be tailgating in 2031 are like 10 years old right now. So right, not, exactly. <laughs> so they're, they're like fifth graders. Right. <laughs> so, they are not on Twitter, or maybe they are, but they're not upset about this yet. Yeah. So they're um, they'll just find a different way. They'll they'll they'll, yeah. they'll have their own thing. Like it doesn't what. People, people, what people are doing in 10 years might be completely different than what people are doing now anyway. So, um, yeah, we'll see. But on the whole, I, I thought it was positive. I think mm-hmm. it would be very cool to have a big time arena downtown like that. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to 10 years from now if, if, if it does work out and that's the case. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't know if I'll be living back living in Philly then, but I'll definitely come visit and, you know, stay with friends or get an Airbnb and just be able to walk to a Sixers game. I think that'd be a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. Do we, do we think, um, so Joel Embiid tweeted about it. With like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do, do we think Joel Embiid will still be in the NBA when the new arena is unveiled? <laughs> I, I think maybe this will encourage him to say, this will yeah. prolong his career until yeah i was looking at like how old is he going to be i think he's going into his age 38 yeah. season where 37 season when this opens up so, yeah he'd, uh, he'd have to have a little lebron-esque career where he yeah just have but hey kind De- of... deandre jordan's still in the nba and he he acts like he's 37 yeah <laughs> well i i would hope joel would have a better end of career arc than deandre yes. jordan no no disrespect yes. to deandre who seemed like a lovely human being but I, I i'm very surprised that denver offered him that deal <laughs> <laughs> he's the exact type of person first minute of free agency you gotta lock him up right away yeah you don't you don't want a bidding war to ensue no and, and you you lose out um <laughs> but yeah so maybe, maybe that maybe it would be tyrese maxi would be the, yeah. the aging the aging superstar that he's kind of taking some young guys under his wing. He's, he's the, the vet that has, has some rings on his finger, but he's still around. Uh, and maybe he, he can be the, the bell ringer at the arena opening. Yes. So. Yeah. He, I, well, and beat will be the first guy to get his Jersey retired in the new arena. That's the way that's how yeah. I'm looking at it. That, that would definitely be how it shakes out. And then, um, and then Iverson will be there of course, because yes. I, I, yeah. he, 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 and he'll enjoy uh sugar house wouldn't be as far or oh, that's true. So, <laughs> there'll be a fridays nearby he There's can take the they have those little shuttles the the, the van <laughs> shuttles that go from the city to sugar house, or whatever it's called now i know it's not called sugar house anymore um yeah. but yeah yeah they'll, they'll have a strip club for harden and they're gonna have a friday for iverson <laughs> both in the development it'll be perfect yeah they'll bring the the 2023 title team they'll right, they'll, they'll right. bring them out for a, a ceremony it'll be great they'll they'll enjoy it they'll be right downtown it'll be it'll be wonderful so <laughs> all right brian well this was great uh appreciate you coming on and discussing not only the new stadium but all the cap implications of of harden officially signing his deal so you're you're now at LB, but I know you still yes. you do every you do other works. Um, so where can everybody find your work online and uh, on social media? Yeah, you can find me at B Toporic on Twitter, B T O P O R E K. You can find me uh, at Liberty Ballers and Forbes Sports as well. Um, and then I think I'll be making some some podcast appearances throughout the LB network uh, throughout the year as well. So excited to uh as you said hopefully we get to see the, the this team turn into the title team maybe what it'd be the 40 year anniversary right this could be perfect timing yeah definitely um so props to james harden for helping make that happen with his with his yes. pay cut he was give me whatever's left that's you know you don't hear that very often in, the, in this day and age but yeah, it, it definitely helped the team's roster construction. It should be an exciting year. Thank you for, for joining. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure you'll be busy on our LB podcast network as the new cap guru with the site. So I um, appreciate you coming on. For everybody out there, I will talk to you next week. Enjoy, enjoy your weekend and enjoy the, the good summer weather. And I'll talk to you soon. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. 
you can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.